Hello, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to episode three of Pat's Interference. It is September 15th. We are excited to bring you this episode. Got a lot to talk about, including Alabama's win over MTSU, looking at Auburn and what happened there, and looking ahead at next week all across the SEC, the NCAA, and of course, Alabama's big redemption game against Ole Miss. Got no time to waste and a lot of time to talk. So here we go. Episode three of Pat's Interference starts right now. Alabama 2-0. You are listening to episode three of Pat's Interference. I'm Patrick Brickman. And I'm Patrick Nord. How's it going, everybody? I'm doing very well. How are you doing? I'm doing good, man. I'm doing really good. I'm a little tired. But I'm good. I'm, I'm ready for this that. weekend. Well, it's funny because we're sitting here. I'm sitting here at 8.30. You're sitting there at 9.30 your time at our computers needing to sleep. But uh, whatever. we got to bang this thing out. So we want to say thank you to our new listeners, people that joined in for episode one and two. We thank you as well. But if you're listening for the first time because we do have a big game this week, we definitely want to extend that thank you. We hope you enjoy it. And we hope you keep on listening from here on out. We've got a big vision for our podcast. We want it to go places. Patrick, tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, yeah. We, I, you know, I think when we started out, we were very uh, centered around uh, Alabama football, or you know, centered on Alabama football, I should say. But uh, we've kind of branched out from there, and we're you know moving more into the SEC and around the NCAA, but definitely staying with Alabama football, uh, giving you everything that we think and feel and we want to hear what you think and feel. And there's a great way to do that if you go on Facebook. We are at Pat's interference that is p-a-t-s interference like the penalty in football uh on twitter we are at p-i underscore podcast and you can also go to our website at patsinterference.com again that's p-a-t-s interference.com uh that is our website patrick let's dive right into this alabama rolls big again in week two uh after a little bit of a slow start uh against the blue raiders of mtsu patrick what did you think what were your impressions uh from saturday's game well, as we sat here one week ago talking about this game, the first thing that we said that was we didn't want to see a sluggish team, but I think that is what we got. I think that's kind of how the nation perceived it, but it's, to be honest, it's pretty typical. It seems like we do have one of these a year where we go out, we play a, a, a lesser opponent, no offense to MTSU, but I don't think anyone will think that that's out of line to say, and so the offense kind of came out a little bit sluggish. Um, defense, I was... I was okay with, and we'll get into all that in a minute. But I, I want to know what you thought as well. Yeah, I, you know, I think it's, I think it's tough to really judge a team. You know, obviously, I wish uh, Alabama would have come out a little bit stronger, a little bit more fire. I wish Jay Coker would have come out with a little bit more confidence. Uh, like you said, we're going to get into that in a minute. But I think when you've got this lull of, okay, everybody's really excited, start off the new season against Wisconsin, go from there. Uh, you know, that's a huge sort of, I, I guess, I don't want to say stressful game, but that's, you know, that's a big game. That's a really big game, and you put a lot of your heart and soul into it. You've been thinking about it all summer. That game is finally over. Deep breath. You look ahead. You've got, okay, we've got MTSU on Saturday, but then the week after that, we've got Ole Miss, you know. So I think it's just that lull in between big games. And I also want to mention, I, I saw a lot of people saying, you know, why are we throwing the ball so much? Why are we doing this? Why are we doing that? I was even guilty of that a little bit. But then it kind of struck me, Patrick, and I want to get your opinion on this. I feel like it was almost an experiment uh, with the coaching staff. You know, placing players, uh, I noticed a lot of Reuben Foster uh, covering running backs and tight ends, which was not uh, in the norm the week before that. Um, talking with one of our listeners this morning, and he mentioned that 
maybe it was a little bit of an experimentation, which I hadn't really thought of before. But what do you think about that? Do you think that this coaching staff was just sort of experimenting in preparation for the Ole Miss game? Yeah, I'd say it was kind of a dress rehearsal. Uh, you had the big game to start off the season, but both teams are, uh, you know, it's hard when you start out with that big game because you just kind of throw your team out there to the wolves. So this game was to see what the team wanted to improve on. Uh, there was still, quote-unquote, a quarterback battle going on, which I think had, the book has been closed, even though Nick Saban's not going to say it. I think this is the point where we don't see Cooper Bateman much for the rest of the season except in blowouts. So, yeah, Absolutely. like you said, I mean, trying out different things on defense and offense and all that kind of stuff, uh, trying to put ourselves in game situations that when we are playing tougher conference opponents, we'll know how these players are going to react when thrown out there. But at the same time, it was – I sound like I'm making an excuse. And I don't think the team didn't care about the game. But we did We did see some sluggish play. If we're going to go – I'll start talking about offense here. I mean, you had both quarterbacks play. Uh, Coker first half. Bateman's second half. Um, neither yeah, one yeah, of them and, looked comfortable or confident, which was weird in their first game at home. We, it was it was a little odd. Um, you know, I, I think also another thing about that was once Coker came out against Wisconsin, uh, you know, first drive was centered around the run, centered on the run. I mean, it was just every single, you know, first and ten, it was run the ball. First three plays against MTSU, Coker got the decision to make, and he's throwing the ball across the field. You know, I mean, it's just I, I think there was a lot of pressure on that. Like I said, I think that goes back into that sort of experiment uh, that we were talking about just a minute ago. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. It was just it was a very odd performance. Uh, the announcers, uh, Eli Gold was as well um, as the SEC announcers were talking about his body language and just how yeah, he was sort of yeah, it was, frustrated, it was... Uh, you know, and it was, it was it was a little disheartening to see. I don't think that this is a huge concern for Alabama because, like I said, I don't think we'll be throwing the ball this much against Ole Miss. Uh, I think no, we'll be I don't seeing either. a lot of the Derrick Henry, Kenny Drake show. Yeah, we saw a lot of passes, and, it, you know, it, the receivers looked a little bit odd. What can you tell us about that? What were your thoughts on the receivers this game? Okay, I, I've, got a, I've got a few things I want to say about the receivers, and the first is uh, – I don't. I didn't look crisp to me. They did make a couple plays in the first half. It was really that second half. I saw a, a couple drop passes, and this was more hurting um, Cooper Bateman, who actually ended up 11 for 17. It probably should have been a higher completion percentage. That's a pretty good completion percentage, but uh, like I said, he still didn't look comfortable. And I think part of that was because receivers were uh, there were a couple drops. They're not coming to mind right now. I'm looking over my notes right here, but. The, th the thing that sticks out to me about receiver, more even more so than the drops, is the fact that I think Robert Foster is the best receiver on the team, but I think the coaches want it to be our Darius Stewart. I want to see us featuring Foster and maybe even a little bit more Ridley. Ridley got a lot of reps with Bateman, who he actually looks pretty comfortable with. Um, I think I don't want to see us forcing the ball to Stewart because he seems to have less sure. rapport with Coker. Um, and, and, and Robert Foster think, seems to be having that rapport with Coker. And I want to just see his force Foster if we're going to be forcing anyone. How do you feel? I, I don't know. I think that I, I think that you bring up a good point with that, you know, Foster versus Stewart conversation. I think Robert Foster uh, is very similar to and I, I don't mean this saying that, you know, I'm, I'm calling this the next Julio Jones. But I do think he is Julio in that sense that he's just got that raw talent. Uh, he just came in and had that raw talent. He had that ability. I'm not saying our Darius Stewart doesn't. 
Stewart's a very talented wide receiver. He's played very well uh, more co- throughout I think the you're trying season to say more so complete. far. Yeah, yeah, he's just, I, I don't know, I, I just, I, I see a little bit more from him, but yeah, I, I just, I think it's, I think we've got two great receivers. Uh, I don't, I don't look at the receiver position as one we're lacking in. In fact, I feel that's one of the ones where we're more complete uh, behind running back, um, you know, where our running backs looked stellar uh, against MTSU. You know, I know Kenyon Drake was very, very frustrated. He couldn't get those last couple yards <laughs> on his first touchdown yeah, reception we'll call he that the ball he gets frustrated well and that's that's anywhere. what you love you know that's <laughs> what you love it. but it's just you know I, I i like seeing that too you know i saw that a lot with mark ingram and trent richardson and another thing that i want to mention that another one of our listeners pointed out was uh sort of this mentality that alabama's gotten away from where the running backs really communicate well with one another they seem to have that sort of brotherly bond together uh and you know i, I really saw that after derrick henry scored off of Kenyon Drake's uh, long reception, we'll call it. I yeah. still think it's a run. Mm-hmm. I understand the concept of the shovel pass, but I'm going to call it a run. Uh, <laughs> you know, he gets down to the two. They give the ball to Derrick Henry, and he runs it in. And you can tell by Kenyon Drake's body language, he's obviously excited that they've scored and that he was a huge contributor of that. But he was a little bummed out he didn't get the stat. And I don't blame him. I would be too. You know, it, it'd be like you shoot a game-winning three, but it gets credited to the other guy. You know, I mean, that's just, that's not right. But uh, anyway, to get back to my point, Derrick Henry runs over and immediately just kind of beats on the shoulder pads of Kenyon Drake. Uh, And I don't know what he said his helmet was still on, but I can imagine it was something along the lines of, next one's yours, next one's yours, you got it, don't worry. And every time they showed a shot of one of the two of them on the sidelines the other day, they were always together or rooting for the other one. And that's something that I really liked seeing. And I think... Alabama kind of got away from with that TJ Yeldon, Derrick Henry combination. I'm not going to you know, go out on a limb and say that they had any chemistry issues or anything like that. I just don't think the bond was as strong as it has been, and I like that Alabama is getting back to that sort of bond. Well, that's good, and to, to turn uh, our sights on the other side of the ball, I think the defense had a, a, a pretty good game. I don't think they did bad, especially considering the fact that MTS, MTSU can – put up some points they put up 70 in their first game uh, creating turnovers or something they were very good at uh first drive first drive um humphrey uh one of the guys i was talking about a lot in our first podcast he had a strip on the first i mean he just went in there and he just i mean you you like guys like that that are that look to strip the ball when it's when it's when it can be there i don't want somebody to do it sure. when it shouldn't but when it's there and they do it and they complete it that's always something good to have. You always see defensive backs trying to do that. If you think um, the Tyron Matthew was really a master at it in the NFL and in college. So it's good it. to have that. It's a good thing to have on your team. It just gives you that extra guy that can create a turnover. And then interceptions. I mean, For we sure. had your guy. Uh huh. Yeah, Cyrus Jones, I mean, just, you know, I, I, I know I sound like a broken record, but I've got to sort of pat myself on the back right now. Uh, not a lot of people were high on Cyrus other than the fact that he had a lot of experience. He balled on season. Saturday. From what we've seen, he balled. He ball. I mean, he was just he was all over the place on Saturday. Played the same way against Wisconsin. I know he had a couple of plays that were a little bit questionable. Maybe he was a little bit late getting to his receiver or something. But one thing I love about Cyrus Jones, and I said it in the first episode, I'm going to say it this episode, and I hope to God I'm saying it next week. He's got that chip on his shoulder that defensive backs need, especially when you're a defensive back that's what five nine, five ten. I mean, he's not a big guy, but he's just got that tenacity. He's just got that chip on his shoulder. And he had a great pick on Saturday. I mean, to get, to look up, find the ball, turn his hips, jump, 
make sure he boxed out his receiver and gave himself the wherewithal and sort of relaxed enough while he was in the air to make sure he made a good clean catch. Didn't try and do too much with it afterward. You know, it was just, it was a great interception. I can't imagine that Coach Saban uh, was disappointed in that effort at all. Uh, you know, it was just, it was a really, really great interception. Really pleased with how Cyrus and Eddie Jackson have both played so far. And I think that's going to play in big to the game next Saturday. Patrick, let's get into something that we sort of went over last week. Yep. Uh, Nobody weren't crimson a disclaimer. This. A, a disclaimer, if you are... Uh, friends, roommates, anything with Adam Griffith or the special teams coach, uh, please forgive us. Uh, as I said last week, I like Adam Griffith as a kid. His thing on SC Featured was amazing. Uh, he's had a great life, um, and I, I expect he's an incredibly, incredibly nice kid. But good lord, how many missed field goals is it going to take to take him out? That is exactly what I'm saying, and I'm not. I don't want to spend a ton of time on this because I'm not a guy that likes to keep kicking someone, no pun intended, while they're down. But, it, I mean, when you are a top five team in the nation and you have what can be considered an Achilles heel, which has definitely been our kicking game for the last several years, we gotta rid ourselves. We gotta stop being that school that you know FSU in the in the 90s. They kept having wide right, wide left. It took them about a string of of Groza winning kickers to get rid of that. And now not everyone thinks of FSU as a kicking school. We're the Absolutely. new FSU when it comes to that, and I hate it. Yeah. I don't want us to be playing Georgia, playing Mississippi State, playing LSU, and a game comes down to man. a field goal because. Yeah. <laughs> I won't have any fingers left. I'll bite them all off. I'm, I'm terrified. I am terrified that next week is going to come down to a situation where we're down by two. We lead a great drive, get our kicker in the middle of the field or a little bit to the left of the field. He's at the 30-yard line, you know, and it's a 45, 42-yard kick. And I, I don't have any faith that he would make it. Patrick, he's gone one for six this season. And he missed one from 24 yards. Patrick, with 24. the series of kicks that he's had, I could go one for six. I have made 24-yard field goals in my lifetime. I know everyone's probably like, bullcrap. I wish I would have filmed it because as most of my great sports accomplishments are, I didn't film it and no one believes me that they actually <laughs> happened. That's a different story for a different episode. Maybe next week, maybe the week after. But anyway, I could kick a 24-yard field goal. And it sort of frustrates me. I was talking to another listener the other day on Facebook. Again, that's Pat's Interference. If you want to get on Facebook and like our page, you can talk to us. It's a great way to communicate. We were talking on Facebook the other day, and he said, why don't we put someone else out there? Anybody else can do better than him. And I said, no, that's not it. It's not the fact that anybody else could do better than him. It's that nobody could do worse. And there's a huge difference in that phrase. And if you really think about it, I mean – you know, I'm not I'm not going to go out there and say a defensive lineman could make one for six because I have no idea, you know, anything like that. But I also am not going to put it past people that they can't make one of six field goals when one of those is 24 yards away. I mean, that was a chip and it's shot. Not like that we was... don't have other kickers on the roster either. Exactly. Well, and it, it, that was a chip shot, Patrick. That was something that Coach Saban probably put Adam Griffith on the field thinking there's no way he's going to miss this kick. This will be a great way to get his confidence back. It's like when your quarterback throws three or four interceptions and you just let him have a screen pass just to complete a pass. This was just supposed to be a confidence booster, and he missed it. It was a chip shot. If we have that kick to win the national championship game and he misses it, 
No one will ever live it down. I'm livid. I'm sure you can hear it right now. I'm livid because I don't understand how our coaching staff can keep seeing this kid think, okay, maybe this will be the kick that gets his confidence back. It's not happening. He's done. Let it go. Drop him. I'm off my I agree with now. you. I'm I sorry, agree with you, but, but I, I'm sorry. I, yeah, but it's just, it makes we gotta me move on. We, we gotta move on from kicking because we're gonna we're gonna keep and then you know maybe he'll hopefully he ends up being the hero. But we gotta find another answer. I agree with you. I, I think we have another I think kicker. Put in Rayborn. I think his name is Rayborn. Gonna Rayborn. Yeah, you, and then I think we have in, the number one kicker committed. But yeah, you gotta put in Rayborn and you gotta let Adam Griffith do kickoffs uh, until you know until that doesn't work or until he feels more comfortable kicking field goals. But yeah, let's move on. Uh, let's go on to our, uh, our little brothers down at West Georgia at Auburn and talk about their game a little bit. Patrick, uh, needed overtime to win, uh, against yeah, As bad as we State. just were, nowhere near compared to what Auburn fans were this weekend, I can tell you that. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's just overtime to beat Jacksonville State. Uh, lots of people have been calling this Auburn's most embarrassing win of all time. Uh, Patrick, you know, a guy that they were talking about at the beginning of the season is possibly a Heisman candidate, definitely yep. Auburn's best player on the field uh, on the offensive side of the ball was what a lot of people were saying. What can you tell me that you saw from Jeremy Johnson on Saturday? Well, man, Jeremy Johnson, I don't even know where to begin. Uh, he's, he's, he's making throws that I, I don't know what he's thinking. I don't know what he's thinking on the field. It's just, I don't hate it. I mean, I'm not gonna die. I'm not gonna lie. I don't hate it, but it's like he's not seeing the field right. And th- I think no. they kind of said that in the broadcast. To be honest, I was listening to a different game. I had it on a, I had two double dual screen, so I wasn't listening to the announcers in that game. Um, he's his inter his interceptions are not like. He just missed the guy. I mean, they're right to the other players. Yeah. I mean, they are right yeah. to – he's had – I think he's had, uh, what, five, six so far this year, uh, three yeah. in the first game and, and, and uh, a couple, two or three in, the, in this other game. They're right to the players. And they're yeah. at the very untimely junctions in the game, killing any kind of momentum that Auburn, Auburn will build a momentum and then – Boom. He had two interceptions. He had two interceptions. Yeah. I think I'm remembering correctly. He had 236 yards. He was 21 of 32. But it's when he throws the picks and when they happen, it's got Auburn fans pulling out their hair. I don't know. I don't, Auburn fans it's, are calling for him, his replacement already. I don't, I'm not going to go yeah. that far. Give him one more game. they got a big game this weekend. Then well, make sure. that decision. Sure. No, I mean, it's it's just, it's tough. I, you know, I, I, I honestly, and you know, uh, I'm going to sound sort of, hypocritical i went to alabama and stuff i enjoy it when auburn and tennessee are good at football because i love the rivalry games uh you know i i want alabama to win every time don't get me wrong i don't want people you know thinking and writing on our facebook page and tweeting at us about how we're terrible uh alabama uh spokespeople uh but you know it's just the league is more fun and the conference is more fun in my opinion, when teams like Auburn and Tennessee, with all this history and all this tradition, are good, and you know, it sort of gets this buzz about the SEC West going, that the SEC may not be as strong as it once was, and that bothers me. Uh, you know, I, I, I just, I really, they dropped to 18, six to 18. But at the end of the day, something we got to keep in mind is that they're two and zero. But Patrick, 
you got to imagine that some of these Auburn fans are starting to uh, mash the panic button a little bit, uh, especially with this game coming up against LSU next week. Not a night game. We're going to get into that later. But do you think it's time to panic for Auburn? I'm going to back off that real quick. And here's actually something that I said to my wife when we were watching the game. I see I see the narrative forming already. Um, I'm not saying that Auburn anymore should – I don't think Auburn fans should be thinking national championship right now, but I'm not writing them off because I see the narrative forming. Uh, they pulled together. They won the game. You can obviously see the players – knew on the field that was a hard-fought game. I don't think they're as embarrassed as the fans are. And I think they're – you know how Auburn is. They, yeah. They're like they, – they have that snowball effect. They're gonna, if, they, if they beat LSU this weekend because they're pulling together and want to prove the country wrong, that, that kind of stuff snowballs. And then they make this play, and it's a miracle here, miracle there. Next thing you know, they're back in the top ten. So I'm not writing them off just yet. I want to see how they play against an SEC opponent – uh, because, again, sure. Louisville also did not look good in their game. They actually lost as well this weekend, too. So it's hard to gauge Auburn. Um, I think they just were believing in their own hype, and now they've been humbled, and who knows what they can do. So yeah. that's right. That's yeah. right. I don't know. How, how do you, you know, feel about it, that? It's the funny thing, because it, with Auburn, you know, people always say, and I, I even say it, and I think you do, too, Auburn is <laughs> very disappointing in the years when everybody predicts that they're going to be good. And then the years where they're very good, they come out of left field. I mean, it's just no one is predicting them. You know, and it's not that they're predicting them to be bad, but it's just that they're not predicting them to be as good as they are. And I think they're having one of those seasons where they were really hyped at the beginning of the season and then just sort of fizzled out. Uh, I hate that that happened to them against an FS or excuse me, FCS school, uh, not taking anything against Jacksonville State. I think that they executed and played great football on Saturday. Um, you know, it, if there's a lesson, you just, if you've got the time to go and kick the field goal on the road when you're the underdog, you go do it. Uh, it just doesn't make sense to me why you kneel that and go to halftime. Exactly. Um, yeah, that, that was the turning point of the I, game. It, Actually, the turning yeah. point for me in that game was the, uh, the personal foul on, on the fumble. I mean, that, that changed that was, everything. That was tough. That, I mean, that the play tough. calling on the five yard line and on the 20 yard line is completely different. And that's. That's what ended the game. Okay, but we're talking about that. Auburn's got a big game against LSU. We'll get into that prediction later on. But we do need, you know, while we're on the topic, we have a big game next weekend too. I mean, we're playing Ole yes. Miss. Game day's coming to town. It's it's a revenge game. There's a lot of storylines going into sure. this Ole Miss. Remember, uh, you know, last year was a tough one. But, okay, so we got to talk about how we're going to match up. Um, I All think, right, let's, yeah, I go think, into it. Yeah, so I think matching up-wise, actually, I don't know how you're going to feel about this, but I think we're similar. I think we're similar teams, and I'm going to say that because we have explosive playmakers. We both do. I mean, we're Alabama. We have a lot of five-stars on the field, and Ole Miss has a ton of five-stars on the field right now. And not just that, but it goes beyond that. I think our style of offense right now is is fairly similar. I think our quarterbacks are fairly similar, gunslingers, uh, first-year starters, and after our two games, we still have a few questions. I think Ole Miss has a couple more than us just based on their schedule. But because it's at home and this is a hard-fought game, I think this will be a, a, a pretty similar matchup, and you're going to see teams feeling out each other for a while. Uh, how do you feel? How do you feel like we match up to them offensively and defensively? Well, uh, you know, I'm going to go into I'm going to go into the defense. I it's not in what I'm about to say. I, I think we're going to win. I, I do, and we'll get into our score predictions in a minute. 
Uh, I think Alabama takes this one. I think it's going to be a very close, hard-fought game. I think it'll look uh, – you and I spoke a little bit earlier. I think it'll look similar to uh, – oh, gosh, what year was that? A&M? We say A&M to th- Texas A&M at Kyle Field. Yeah. Um, Benny Sinceri with that pick six. Uh, I would not be surprised Beautiful. if Ole Miss comes out really, really fast and we look a little bit uh, sluggish. But I, I think as the game goes along, we sort of find that rhythm. Alabama sort of finds that rhythm. Maybe Coker gets a couple really good passes under his belt. Maybe Derrick Henry gets a couple of good runs, runs strung together and then breaks one off for 30 or 40 yards for a touchdown or something, and it just sort of spirals for Ole Miss down from there. Uh, it's not that I don't believe in their offense or that I believe that our defense is better uh, than their offense can really handle. It's the fact that I haven't really seen that much uh, from their opponents. Uh, they had Tennessee Martin, who they kicked the crap out of, uh, and then they had, uh, who was it last week? Fresno State. Uh, and I'm just yep. not buying either of those teams' defenses. And you can look at the point differential all you want. They, they lead the league and uh, lead the NCAA, I should say, in point differential. Uh, and the reason behind that is they're leaving their five-star athletes that you were just talking about uh, <laughs> on the field when they're up 59-10 to 10, uh, or 59-3 to 3 or whatever it was with, you know, six minutes left in the third quarter. And if I'd be an Ole Miss fan, I would be livid. I would I, I would be livid because I cannot imagine uh, if you get one of those players hurt, the backlash that Hugh Freeze gets. Uh, it's just it, – it kind of shocks me a little bit that those players are on the field. Uh, so I think that those offensive numbers are skewed a little bit. I think yeah, our defense I, I will handle them. Uh, what, what, who do you think are some of the key players to the game, Patrick? Uh, just I'm gonna for Alabama I'm to win. I'm two if you don't mind. Go for it. So there's no rules. Okay, this for, is our podcast. We can we can say and do whatever we want. There's no rules. Uh, so podcast. go ahead. I can cry if I want to. All right. You so I'm gonna give me, give me two. Players. You're gonna you're gonna love me for this one. Uh, Cyrus Jones is my first one, and that's Absolutely. because after last week's game and what we saw with him in the first game too, he's gonna be lined up against arguably the best receiver in the country, and that's Laquan Treadwell. Treadwell, sorry, Laquan Treadwell is going to. Uh, be a huge test for our defense probably their key player of the game will be him i think ours will be cyrus jones trying to stop him uh treadwell is prototypical he's nfl caliber he's he's six three six four six five he he has the weight he has the speed he has the hands he has he was the number one receiver coming out of high school in his respective year so with cyrus jones lined up opposite him how he can cover him especially in key moments third downs red zone that's going to really go far into the score, how many points Ole Miss puts on the board, too. And my other one is, I'm very happy to be uh, talking about this one here, Kenyon Drake. I think this is the game that he's had circled red on his calendar, because you'll remember last year, this is the game where he hurt himself. This yeah. is the game that when he was hurt, uh, he was kicked on the ground. He was kicked while he was down. You don't see that yeah. too much. P- injured player, he was kicked the Ole Miss player was angry, frustrated, cocky, whatever he was doing. Sure. He ended up kicking Kenyon Drake on the ground. The team, I think, remembers that, especially that specific number 17 running back. I think he's going to come out with a different fire. I yeah. just know he's ready for it. Home t- home game, I think it's at 8.15 Central kickoff, 9.15 Eastern uh, night game. So you're going to see a very pumped-up team that wants to s- get revenge. How do you – I mean, I, yeah. those are my two guys. Yeah. You got any? Uh, yeah, I, I, you know, I, I hate saying it because I feel like we, we're just beating a dead horse at this point, but I think Jacob Coker, 
uh, really needs to play. Uh, uh, not uh, He doesn't need to come out and be Brett Favre. And what I mean by that is he just needs to come out and make consistent throws. Uh, you know, nothing special. If he does exactly what he did in the Wisconsin game, we could win every game this season. Uh, I, I, agree I truly with you believe 100% that. 100% you know, there. One, one or two great passes, uh, and then everything else is just standard. It's just exactly what is needed. It's nothing special. Uh, I would love to see Coker try and get outside of the pocket a little bit quicker this week. I feel like that's kind of his Achilles heel. Uh, kind of reminds me of something uh, circa 2008 or 2007 with John Parker Wilson, uh, which terrifies me because it's just sort of that <laughs> deer in the headlights thing sometimes. Now, sometimes he does make good decisions and gets outside of the pocket or dumps it off underneath. Um, I think his decisions are on key. I think it's how quickly he makes those decisions that he sure. especially struggled with last game. His uh, stats were inflated. He had over 200 yards, 250 or some yards passing, but 70 of those yards were on that, of course, what we're calling a run, but the stat technically the says he threw it pass, forward sure. to Kenyon Drake. It was like 70 yards, 60 yards, so that's take that away yeah. and he had just under 200 yards and then so Patrick, i'm gonna i'm gonna steal i'm gonna steal your method i'm gonna take two players this week my other player is gonna be oj howard oj howard uh, had i think like you mentioned Kenyon drake i think oj howard's had this game circled on his calendar because he's very frustrated with the way he played in this game last year D- didn't he uh, did, wasn't he the one trying to catch the ball from blake sims on our last play that got intercepted yes yes they got intercepted by here's a little fun fact for you i love this piece of trivia uh, you remember back uh, the last time that Alabama was at Ole Miss? Uh, well, I don't really know. I'm not going to say that. Uh, when Trent Richardson had that little Texas two-step on the sideline and broke that kid's ankles and everybody felt really bad for Same him. Same dude, wasn't it? That game, yeah, that guy's name was Sinquez Golson. Uh, Sinquez Golson was the guy who intercepted uh, Blake Sims' pass on the last play of the game, like you mentioned last year. Uh, you know, I, I think O.J. Howard kind of, Maybe not really gave up on the ball, but didn't really understand the situation as well as he could have. So I think O.J. Howard is going to be crucial for this game, and I think he will play very well. Uh, but I think, you know, with all these I mean, second blitz round packages... Pick for the Steelers, too, so... Yeah, yeah. I think that all these blitz packages uh, that Ole Miss brings, I think it's going to be very vital for uh, Coker to get the ball underneath to his running backs and to his tight ends. I think O.J. Howard's going to be a huge part of that. Patrick, go ahead. Give me your score prediction. Uh, it is midnight hour time on Saturday. We are uh, laying back on the couch, maybe watching a Pac-12 game, texting back and forth about how who won and by how much. Give me your score prediction. I think it's going to be a high-scoring game. Uh, I Like we said, Texas A&M 2013. Both teams have good offenses. Both teams have good defenses. But I think it's going to be teams feeling each other out. It's going to be an exclu- explosive game, if you ask me, because the uh, adrenaline will be so high. So I'm going to go... This sounds crazy to put scores in this range uh, in a big game for Alabama, but I'm going to go Alabama 42, Ole Miss 31. I think with us being at home, us being the one, I think we're putting the target on their back with it being a revenge game. I know we're number two and they're num- uh, they're in the teens somewhere, but I think we're targeting them more than they're targeting us with with the revenge factor and the fact that they Kenyon Drake and our team. I think our team hates Ole Miss, to be honest. I think we hate Ole Miss. Yeah, uh, the guys I think, in our I locker think, room do. So how about yours? Yeah, no, I, I think you're right. I think I'm not sure it's a hate thing. I, I think it's it's very much a sort of they're very tired of Ole Miss. Uh, they're tired of the way that their fans uh, sort of ran away, uh, you know, tearing down the goalposts and stuff. I mean, I've never been a huge fan of that. I, I don't really like 
uh, storming the field in any sort of instance unless, you know, it's, well, for instance, Jacksonville State beating Auburn. If Jacksonville State would have been at home, then maybe rush the field or, you know, uh, kick six, even understandable, as painful as that is to bring up. But, you know, I, I just think our players were a little sick of it uh, and heard a little bit too much about it, and I, I think they're really ready for this game. I'm going to say that the score prediction around 35-31, you'll notice how neither of us put field goals in our scores because, let's yeah. be honest, yep. if it comes to that, we're in trouble. Uh you know, I'm not going to bring that up again because I've already yelled into everybody's ears. I apologize for earlier. But, uh, you know, I, I'm going to go 35-31. I think it's going to be a close game, but I think Alabama pulls it out at the end. Uh, you know, so let's sort of move on, Patrick. Let's go in uh, to the rest of the SEC and sort of around the SEC this past week. I'm going to kick us off uh, with Tennessee. Uh, Tennessee obviously did not watch the Jacksonville State-Auburn game. Uh, if you haven't seen that game, Tennessee gave up its largest lead in school history uh, at home, which was 17 points uh, with Oklahoma. Oklahoma came storming back, had a great touchdown, little fade route in the back of the end zone, uh, you know, and then kicked the ball off. Tennessee made the same fatal error that Jacksonville State did and decided to take a knee. I get it. You're at home. You want to go to overtime, uh, you know, but I just I don't understand the decision there. I really think that Tennessee uh, sort of let themselves down because they were the best in that game for three and a half quarters, and it, it, it didn't really uh, it didn't really come of anything. So I will say this about Tennessee. I think they were a little overhyped at the beginning of the season. I know you and I had a little bit of differing opinions on that. Uh, I never really bought into Tennessee um, just because it's it's hard, and you mentioned this too, but it's hard for me to when the last time I remember them being good, uh, I, I'm from Tennessee, Great so school, I remember – yeah, I, well, hold on now. I'm not that young. But, uh, no, it's, it, the last time I remember being picked on for being an Alabama fan from a Tennessee fan was around 2000, 2001. I mean, it was a long time ago. Maybe a little bit later, uh, 2002 or so. But it was it was a long, long time ago. Maybe when I was in fourth or fifth grade. Uh, you know, so I'm just – I'm not really buying into Tennessee anymore until they prove me different. Uh, prove me wrong, I should say. Uh, so – can't really be disappointed in them. Can't say that they embarrassed the SEC uh, because I just wasn't really high on them in the first place. Patrick, well, as a I'm whole, gonna... as a whole, I want to say I I don't know that you want to go out and scream this, but I think as a whole, this weekend was okay. I'll use the word embarrassing for lack of a better term that's coming to me. Uh, maybe a wake up call if we want to call it that. But sure. I mean, you had Tennessee losing in a, in a big game that everyone's eyes were on. Auburn. You know, by the fourth quarter, everyone's we've, eyes were on that We've game gone over Auburn, yeah, exactly. Uh, exactly. You had Missouri, they didn't look great. Arkansas, I mean, my goodness, Arkansas lost to Toledo. And then Toledo. the LSU-Mississippi State game, it was just a primetime yeah. game that really didn't, neither team looked good. Uh, neither but team man, okay, it. I, I gotta go back, I wanna talk about, what the heck, Arkansas, what the heck happened, man? Well, uh, uh, you know, you get an ex-Alabama quarterback in there like Philip Ely, uh, who had a great game. <laughs> there you, uh, go. you know, we'll call and that, that. <laughs> uh, 21 for 38. Uh, Ely went 237 yards, 6.2 average, one touchdown, QBR of 64.7. That's a quarterback rating for those of you who don't know. Uh, Brandon hashtag Allen, built by Bama. <laughs> uh, Arkansas hashtag built by Bama. Uh, Arkansas, Brandon Allen had a whale of a game. They threw 53 passes, though. Their bread and butter last year was running the football. 32 for 53 went Brandon Allen, 412 yards, 7.8 average. No touchdowns and an interception. 
How do you throw for 412 yards, you complete 32 passes, and not one of those 32 passes is a touchdown? I don't understand and it. And that and only one touchdown Ran the, the ball game. 31 so it's not like times. running backs were finishing the drives. They just weren't getting right. in the end zone. It's right. Like... Ran the ball 31 times for 103 yards. That's a 3.3 average. That doesn't even I, – I can't even comprehend that because of how good Arkansas was at running the ball last year. Uh, good for Brandon Allen for breaking his record. But, man, that was disappointing to watch. I don't uh, think he I, really cares about the record. <laughs> I, no. No, I don't either. But, anyway, let's – let's so let's go ahead. Let's look at next week. Maybe maybe disappointing for the SEC this week. Maybe they're looking to bounce back next week. Patrick, uh, I'm going to go ahead and throw it over to you about South Carolina at Georgia. What can you expect from that game? Well, I think I think this is probably our easiest prediction of the day because it's at Georgia – South Carolina just got off of a loss to Kentucky. Great win for Kentucky. Terrible, embarrassing loss for South Carolina. And then they did not look good in their first week. So with that in mind, uh, Georgia's ready to start the SEC season. I think they're ready to show us that they're the real deal after playing two uh, not great, not super uh, opponents. So I'm going to go Georgia, running away with it. Yeah, uh, I think that's a good prediction. Uh, I'll take Auburn at LSU. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and say that LSU takes this game. Um, I just, I, I, I think Auburn really got exposed against someone who is very much not LSU last week, uh, especially now that game is not at night. And I know that's a huge thing uh, in Baton Rouge. As I mentioned in episode one, though, I've, I've been there. I've been to Death Valley. I can tell you straight up, it doesn't matter what time you're playing. Those people love their football. That stadium rocks. Uh, you know, they, they get loud. I do not see Auburn coming out of this game. Uh, with the upper hand, but with Auburn's luck, you never know. Uh, you know, and they've got some great players. Uh, Gus Malzahn's got a great game plan for big games, as we've seen in the past. So, Patrick, you know, I'm going to say LSU wins this one easily. Uh, I will be a little surprised if Auburn wins this one, but not overly surprised, just knowing. Because we know we know we can it, always it's expect Auburn. Auburn to do it's something. Auburn. To expect Auburn to do the unexpected, basically. Sure, sure. All right, so All right, go ahead and go in the SEC. Into, yeah, go ahead. Sticking in the SEC, we do still also have another SEC matchup. I think the uh, third and final one of the week, Florida at Kentucky. This is interesting. Florida's looked pedestrian in their first two games. Kentucky finally got over the hump against somebody not named Vanderbilt. So, I mean, yeah, uh, yeah. Okay, I, 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 I think Kentucky's really excited about beating the old ball coach. Uh, you know, I. I that's another discussion we've got to have at some point during this season, not tonight. Uh, but, you know, I, I, it, it's just sort of interesting to me that uh, Kentucky beat South Carolina. Patrick. Uh, Still going Florida. You're going Florida. Still going Florida. Um, I, I don't see – I don't know that Kentucky's going to put it together twice in two weeks. And I know Florida's got the new coach, and they're not looking great. And uh, and, and McIlwain's, you know, his, he's, he went off this week about his team has the sense of entitlement – um, Florida's got the athletes, and Kentucky just doesn't. And I think even though they're on, they're on the road, Kentucky can't put it together two weeks in a row. I don't believe that they can or will, and I think Florida does it. Back yeah. to you. Uh, I, I'm going to go ahead and take uh, ugh, Texas Tech at Arkansas. I expect Arkansas to bounce back. I know we just kind of talked bad about them for a little bit. Um, I expect them to bounce back. I expect Brandon Allen to have another big game, and hopefully uh, – not only does Brett Bielema not talk about, uh, you know, other conferences and their schedules, I'm not going to get into that, but, uh, you know, <laughs> hopefully just sort of focuses only on Arkansas. 
uh, and they run the ball a little bit more. I've got Arkansas taking that game. Patrick, what do you see in Georgia Tech at Notre Dame? Notre Dame losing Malik Zaire. How big is that when facing Georgia Tech? Oh, this to me might be to the most interesting matchup. I know there's some other big games. That's not Alabama Ole Miss to me, but I want to say that losing Malik Zaire is going to. I think it'll hurt. I think it will hurt Notre Dame. I know they ended up winning, um, but they were playing Virginia, and Virginia got killed by UCLA, who yeah. we're about to talk about in a minute. So. Yeah. I think Notre Dame will be hurting, switching quarterbacks when Zaire has been their guy. Also, They kicked Golson out of town, a guy that has played in the national yeah. championship, had undefeated regular season. They kicked him out of town because Zaire was their guy. He was their future. He played LSU in the bowl game. He beat LSU in the bowl game. He didn't just play him. He beat him. Now he's hurt. Sucks for them. I mean, that's terrible. I hate it when yeah. players get injured like that, especially full season ankle injuries because those are so hard to come back from and be as explosive as we've seen Kenyon Drake be. And then Georgia Tech is one of my sleeper teams in the year, and this is their. Yeah, they don't usually get early season big games like this. Uh, well, yeah. the the spotlight will be on them, and they're not playing Georgia yet. That usually and there's, at the end there's of the always end. that little trump card you can play too with the triple option that Georgia Tech runs. You know, I mean triple can, option. I love it. Maybe I'm biased because I love the fact that they still run the triple option and they're still yeah. bold enough to do that in 2015. I'm going Georgia Tech beating Notre Dame at home. Yeah, uh, last game that I want to go through, I think it's going to be a quarterback battle, BYU at UCLA. I think both quarterbacks are going to come out and have big games. I'm going to go ahead and give the nod to UCLA simply for the fact that they're at home. Uh, you know, I, I'm not taking anything away from BYU. If BYU wins, I will not be surprised. Uh, but I'm going to go ahead and give UCLA the win with home field advantage. Uh, Patrick, something I want to get into, we got a little bit of time here uh, sort of going uh, a little bit off kilter. What do you think? Uh, you know, let's let's go around and talk a little bit about uh, two players for Alabama in the NFL right now, um, Amari Cooper and Marcel Darius. I want to get into Marcel Darius. I'm going to let you go ahead and talk about how uh, Amari Cooper played uh, this past Sunday for the Raiders. Did you like what you saw? Did you not? Tell me what you think. Well, the Raiders, as a rule, as a as a NFL rule, are just a dumpster fire. Um, that being said, I think he, uh, the, the team didn't play well. So it's hard to say who, or not Julio, sorry. They're going to be compared forever, but it's hard to say that Cooper really, he didn't go out and wow me, but he did lose his starting quarterback in the middle of the game and started, you know, having to now have McCownan, who he hasn't really practiced as much with. Um, he had what, six, six receptions, 50 something yards, 56 yards or something yeah. like that. I'm, yeah. I'm typing it in as, as I, uh, as I talk here, but um, I think yeah. he's going to have a great career. I think the sooner he gets out of Oakland, the better for him. Um, I no, agree. He, he, I, you know what? I think we need to go on to week two, see how Derek Carr's doing. I think he's going to be great. I know that Adam Pacman Jones did that, uh, you know, that, that yeah, dirty that was, or not play, that was bad. but eh, we'll see. I mean, he's, yeah. he doesn't have the amount of time in the NFL that Darius has. Uh, Darius, however, talk about a dude that got some money. Big contract. Big contract, very, very uh, excited for and proud of Marcel Darius uh, getting, what was it, $108 million? I mean, just a ridiculous sum of money. Really deserves it out there in Buffalo. Uh, That's you know, Dominican Sue money. Yeah, he's, he's playing great, too. He deserves it. I, I think he's a real force out there. Uh, that Buffalo team something to look out for. 
but Patrick, that'll that'll do it for us this week. Remind me of your score prediction for Ole Miss one last time. Alabama 42, Ole Miss 31, Crimson Tide. Hopefully when we get back next week, 3-0. and Sparkling 3-0 and as a whole. Well, not, not next week for you. No, not next week for me. Thanks so, for catching that. So where where are you you're you're leaving me? I'm leaving you. I won't be here. I'm uh, that, well, I'm actually gonna be in your neck of the woods. Just uh, yeah. I'll be at Disney World. My wife and I are going. This is a trip that we have been planning. She's been planning since high school. I've been planning since I don't know last month. Whenever she really started having me work <laughs> on it. When when she told you that you were going to Disney. Yeah, no, that's that's great, man. I'm excited for you. Uh, for oh, all of doing, our listeners. We're doing the parks. We're doing the cruise. We're doing everything. It's we're awesome. Yeah. It, I'm I'm excited for you, man. I'll be I'll be 20 minutes away and probably won't see you because you'll be having so much fun and I'll be uh, working. But that's so okay. I'll watch the game. Uh, I'm gonna watch the game and I'm going to. Uh, Send you a, a voice recording of what I think, maybe five minutes or so, and 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 you can play that. But I know you're uh, you're going to be taking the bulk of the podcast next yes, week. I want to thank yes. you for that. You know, stepping in and doing basically all the work for a week. Yes. And one day a you'll w- be out of town. And I'll return the favor. Yes. Uh, a, a warning to those who may think my voice is annoying, like I do, or uh, that do not like my opinions. So you may want to skip next week. Uh, but I, I am sort of setting up someone to come in and co-host with me, uh, someone that knows a little bit about Alabama football, trying to work that out right now. Uh, and if not, I'll just I'll talk at you for 45 minutes, and then we'll get Brickman back in a week later. Uh, you went uh, – remind me of your score prediction one more time. I think it was 42-31. to 31. You nailed it, man. I think I'm going to go 35-31. I'm glad we're sort of on the same page with that. Hey, everybody, thank you so much. This has been Episode 3. You can follow us on social media, Facebook, Pat's Interference. Uh, podcast uh, is uh, live at patsinterference.com. You can also find us on Twitter, as always, at PI underscore podcast. We try to keep up really well with all three. If you have something you want to tell us, that's a great place to do it. Uh, we Thank you so much for listening. Roll Tide, and I hope everybody has a great week. We will talk to you next week. See you later, everybody. Roll Tide, guys.